From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It Podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and Carl Polichuk. Welcome, everybody, to episode 147 of the Killing It podcast. Don't worry, I'll, I'll make those line up when the real time comes. <laughs> I'm joined today by Dave and Ryan, and we are going to have a spectacular show. And next week, we'll have an even better one, because next week is Killing It Live. See, it almost dev devalues this show. This show will be just as great as the live show. But you want to see us do it live because there's an extra topic and you get to hear the warm-ups and you get to hear, do Q&A afterward. So there's just more content. Exactly. You get, you get extra bonus content in addition to all the goodness we bring you this week. All right, Joe, boys. What's your favorite smell? Ooh, <laughs> I have to say bread. I, have, I used to live near one of those Wonder Bread, you know, bakeries. And you'd drive down the street and I, I would, like, pray for a red light. Like, so I want to sit here for two minutes and smell the bread cooking. See, now, if you're talking about like commercial smells that actually motivate you to do something, I, I, I will I will, I will, will say honorable mention to the bread because I totally agree with you. If you drive by the bread factory, you know it, right? But- Best uh, advertising ever. Oh yeah, just open up the back door and let that smell come out. That's really good advertising. But in the same vein, I will say, uh, grocery store deli fried chicken. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't want to eat it. I wasn't planning on buying it, but when I pull up in the parking lot and I smell it, I'm like, oh yeah, you guys win. Good fried, good fried chicken has that incredible smell. So I, for me, I'm going to do my, my, my honorable mention, because I just want to mention it, but it's not my favorite, is new car smell. Like I do love that new car smell, but I don't want to have it all the time. My actual, my number one is uh barbecue like smoked barbecue like that that smoker wood smell when i get when i get the, the smoker going and i've got a bunch of barbecue going like that smell and i also will always smile and go and it sticks to your shirt like it's it sticks around <laughs> so like i'll smoke some meat and i'll get it going and then it's like oh yeah my, my shirt smells that way too I like a smell that sticks. It's to pretty shirt. good. And, it's pretty good. And again, in, in the spirit of uh, smell as an advertising medium, uh, that's a very effective thing because there are many locations around the southern states where I have driven up to an establishment and thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to put anything from this place in my mouth because of how it looks. But then, <laughs> but then you smell that barbecue coming out and you're like, okay, you know what? We'll set aside those standards. I'll just wash my hands really well. Exactly. It's okay. They know what they're doing because I can smell it. <laughs> smell is a wonderful thing. More than one time I've been at a restaurant and I've smelled something and it said, whatever it is, I want that. <laughs> like, I don't see bring that. We've made table, a marketing so. lesson here, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> Quick note, uh, not really a sponsor, but just something I do. We have launched this week. IT Service Provider University, which is ITSPU.com, where after eight years of putting together a series of five-week classes, uh, my company has now launched certifications in five different pathways, including managed services, service technician, service manager, sales and marketing, and front office. So check it out at ITSPU.com. So our first topic this week, 
I want to dive in, and I'm a long time. I'm completely biased because I'm a long time Sonos uh, customer, having been a pre-order from like when they launched. Uh, Sonos uh, has went after Google over patent infringement, uh, and they made it pretty clear when they started launching all of this that they were focused on Google because they didn't have the resources to go after Amazon too and everybody. So they said we're going to do it with work our way through, and they started with Google and they. Took, them to, took Google to court over patent infringement. Well, a U.S. trade court has now ruled that Google is in violation of five Sonos patents related to smart speakers. Um, and that actually ended up restricting their ability to for Google to import their products. And as of now, in fact, Google has started removing features from their shipping products via software because they are now in violation. Uh, gents, you know, what's what's your take on on the world of patents and patent infringements, and particularly as it relates to you know products doing less than they used to as this fights out? Well, you know, it's interesting because. A while back, there was a company that was going around enforcing their patent to online e-commerce. And you know, it's one of these things where somebody did think of it first. And then even though it's obvious and it's the next thing, uh, whoever gets there first has traditionally won the patent. And, and the way you, you win the patent war is you basically pull out a piece of paper and say, see, this piece of paper is dated earlier than that piece of paper. Give me the money. Uh, so I don't know if it's necessarily fair and when the world is changing so fast and many people can see the future, um, but they haven't yet created it, you know? So it's, I think it, we might have some changing laws going forward. Well, and, and I think there will be some evolution based on the pace of innovation, but I think that's the heart of the actual issue. Our industry is defined as commercial application of innovation. That's what we do for a living. And yet we have a very uh, public reputation for companies that say, no, I know you were the one who created it. And I know you have the legal platform to defend that, but I've got more money and more lawyers than you do. So I'm going to blatantly steal it, in, implement it directly into my commercial product, and then dare you to poke the bear. And then I'll come back at you with all of my lawyers and I will squash you out of existence and the big continue to eat the small as a result. Now, th this is not just you know me making a casual observation. There has been quite a bit of legal case history in, in our industry in just the last two years where we've observed and you, you mentioned a number of them, Carl, uh, that the folks at Amazon and Google and Apple, et cetera, et cetera, they come out with a feature in their stuff and somebody sues them and you think, well, they wouldn't have done that. Now, they're good people over there. They wouldn't have just blatantly stolen it. And yet you read the legal briefs and the answer is, well, yeah, we did, but we didn't figure they were going to defend it. So we didn't think it was wrong. Now, I have a constitutional issue with that. I, I don't think that big companies ought to be able to just appropriate that kind of innovation. You should still be able to be rewarded for inventing something cool. And in that case, 100% kudos to the, the Sonos guys in this case. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fanboy on the Sonos stuff, so I have to at least acknowledge <laughs> that, that I have some biases there. 
my my take on this continues to be the element of like, look, fundamentally, I do believe in the idea of patents to protect inventors from having their ideas stolen. Where I think this has gotten distorted is in two major areas, because as non-lawyers, I can observe that there is abuse going on that seems ridiculous, and it falls into two general categories for me. The first is, is it seems, just as a lay person looking at it, that too many things that seem incredibly obvious are now patentable. That there is just this space where it's like, ah, I'm not right. so sure that's this truly innovative thing, new idea. It just doesn't feel right. And then the second is 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 that we've definitely seen exactly what you talk about, Ryan, this, this ability for companies to use it as a cudgel, not as a protective. I, I view patent as a defensive thing, not an offensive thing. And if you're using it on offense, besides the fact that your product is good, and in particular, I look at like things like the idea of a patent troll, literally a company set up to own patents and just go out and make money off of them. That just sort of feels wrong. Like I think the idea was somebody invents something and if I'm protected, if I sell it, and just like the idea of if it goes into the public domain, maybe there's an element where if the company isn't around that created it or its actual legacy, then maybe it should revert to the public domain. Maybe, And, and I look and say, by the way, I am not a lawyer and all of the people that fight over this are lawyers that make money off of arguing right. all of this. That also seems like a pro problem. And, and so there's not a great solution to this. It's also uh, another layer to that is that the patent courts are not normal courts. They're, there's a whole different animal. They're set up a different way. And everybody inside of them uh, has, has training way beyond the law, and it's right? You're, like you literally have to have training in uh, technology in order to even be and it's in good. Courts. It's good and intentions so, gone wildly wrong. Like you can, you can completely trace this back and go like, well, we know why a patent was created. It was to protect those. We know why a pet, why, why there probably is a different court for that because there's a certain expertise. Like, and you go all of these and you're like, oh, all of these come from an idea of something that just seems to have gone wildly wrong. And then people build this scaffolding of a business on top of it to just, milk the system and and we end up in this position where it's just some of this just feels kind of wrong well see and 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 i will borrow your your wisdom dave and ask the question why do we care why does this audience of people care about this topic well i will make it very blatantly clear for you uh, in research that we've just done in Q4 of 2021, looking at partner performance, solution provider performance and profitability, we've identified, you know, three uh, like kind of pillars of revenue, the stuff that we sell, the stuff that we service and support, and the things that we create custom IP around. And what we have identified is that if all you do is sell stuff, not, not, not a news headline here, if all you do is resell other people's products, your business model is challenged and you're making less money. But this is the headline. If all you do is service and support other people's product, automation is coming for you and your business model is also declining in terms of profitability. The future is in customization on top of this and that equals 
copyright and trademark and ideally patents. And if you can't protect your innovation, that's going to challenge your ability to make money as a small company. So I feel very emotional about that one. Look at Ryan dropping new research. Just to close that one out. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes. So numbers uh, speak. Well, now let's for our second topic, guys, let's return to one of our recurring themes here on the program. We have a number of recurring themes. We talk about cybersecurity. We talk about the ethics of, of, of artificial intelligence. This time we're going to talk about fast food restaurants because we care about fast food restaurants. Oh, I thought you were going to say that our, our topic was McDonald's. Uh, well, yes, it does. Is that <laughs> also true. Also a recurring theme. We have many, we have many opinions about McDonald's, but in this case, believe it or not, it's good news. And the good news is attached to technology and design where they are repurposing other products, recycling them in construction, in facilities design, in even the insulation inside the walls being remade from other products and then making this as close to, as they've said in the article that we're linking to here in the show notes, uh, a McDonald's that is net zero carbon neutral. Now, I cannot fathom a world in which a McDonald's is good for either you or for the planet. So I find this story to be really exciting and interesting. What do you guys think about the developments at your local McD's? Well, I have to applaud McDonald's when I was a kid, they were famous for putting more styrofoam into landfills than the rest of the world combined. And so, I mean, they clearly, I mean, some piece of this is probably PR, but there's, there's a clear commitment when you do the research to figure out how to make your driveways out of recycled tires and the curbs out of recycled bottles and all that. I would point out they've been a long time uh, getting rid of employees and replacing them with electronics inside their stores. Uh, in Australia, probably for five years now, they've had those kiosks that are now in the pandemic everywhere in America. But uh, it used to be you had to go to Australia to, <laughs> to order your McDonald's and not involve a human being in the process. Well, look, McDonald's is a great business to look at for the future of things because they are the epitome of systemized efficiency. That's ultimately what that business is about is systemized efficiency oh of delivering fast food like of delivering food but their actual expertise really is franchising and replication of something to maximize for profit and so i always have looked to them to say like if they're doing something that's something i need to understand in retail and it's something i need to understand in systemization and in franchising and so if, if they have figured out a way to design a building that is both net car carbon neutral the way they're looking to and that they can replicate over and over and over again and systemize, that's something we should pay attention to because those are their core competencies. More so than food, right? <laughs> like, I mean, if you, if, you, if you laugh and go, like their ability to deliver food is the consistent food experience, period. It's not about quality, it's about consistency. And that's what they're doing here. And and the interesting piece is you can't have the same food. They don't have the same food in France as they do in China, as they do in uh, North America. Um, but you can have the same technology if you own what it takes to create these uh, various devices and um, the technologies to lay out how the building is built and what pieces it's made of. You can ship that all to wherever you need to and make a McDonald's that's exactly the same. Yeah, well, and, and I do think that that is one of 
again, a lesson we can learn in our industry from McDonald's in their industry. It's, I, I see Dave, you hit it directly on the head. We were having a conversation with a client in the past a week or so where they were talking about account management with customers who are under contract for technology services and support. And they were arguing about, well, we should be driving the, the cutting edge of our capabilities. We should always be upgrading and, and improving the services that we provide. And somebody in the room made a comment that I actually wrote down and I was like, well, now that was super smart. What he said was, your customers are not paying you for the very best experience. They are paying you for the most reliable and predictable experience. In a world of technology services, there's always going to be a rocket scientist who understands your, your business, your technology, your tool sets better than you. But Again, I keep I, I keep borrowing all of your brains in today's episodes to to say a Carlism um, standard operating procedure is the foundation of your business because it's not that you're the best, it's that you're the most reliable and repeatable, and that has both internal and external benefits. I swear that McDonald's is not the largest fast food restaurant on the planet because anybody ever suggested they sold the very best food. It is not. It is the most consistent food. It is the most repeatable food. And that brings business model benefits, but it also brings customer expectations. And that's something we all need to internalize. So two, two points. First, first quick one is Subway is the largest food franchise in the world. And the second is McDonald's French fries are, in fact, the best French fries in the world. Now, so I will not argue with you. No, on exactly. That. I'm not. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue that. Like that, that, we can just de declare that a victory. Yeah, a different story, but 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 they got the fries down. So, um, well, but, but I will, you know the other thing is that that whole repeatability. Um, McDonald's literally sets the standard for that, and so I'm I'm actually kind of excited to see one of these stores and see like oh. Maybe that'll teach me some other stuff and add robots to that. And they may be the first food franchise to have essentially, uh, you know, three employees instead of having an entire staff. It used to be the place where uh, you got your first job and, uh, and that, that those days may be gone. Well, well, and these days, we, we've been talking at length about the labor shortage, right? Uh, again, part of the research we were doing back in Q4, we asked the question, you know, do you plan to grow? And if so, by how much? And then dot, 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 what are the obstacles that are going to prevent you from growing? And across every slice of the data that we could subdivide for analysis purposes, the A number one obstacle to growth right now was I can't find and hire enough qualified technically talented human beings. Well, so the question is, how do you solve that? Well, there's two sides to that answer. On one side, you solve that by getting better at finding humans. But on the other side, you solve it by automation and standardization that minimizes the requirement for human input. Uh, say that carefully out there in the wide world because you don't want to be the one whose brand is, I'm automating humans out of jobs. That's uh, that's probably not a good brand. Well, I, I wouldn't lead with that. <laughs> I mean, well, but, but again, you know, we've talked about it before. That's the fear, but it hasn't been the reality. 
it trans yeah. it transforms jobs more than eliminates is ultimately the way the way it does or or and, and right. so i mean i continue to believe that there will be people involved in a lot of what that what mcdonald's does but i also think that they are going to continue to innovate and i will look to them for i you know for their investments i mean look they're the one they bought a technology company everybody they bought an actual technology company to think about the way that they're delivering all of those pieces they build a lot of that in house you know their their technology services are delivered by their own technology experts that's something to think about absolutely well sadly we're out of time for that topic so the final topic of the day, and, and I have to say, I have not always been a super Tesla fan, but I'm coming around. Uh, now, there's a little chink in the armor. The, the story here that we're going to point to is Tesla uh, has been one of these companies that sort of made their own rules and gotten some exemptions from the regular testing. In California, they've been testing their driverless cars without trained professional drivers. <laughs> Instead, they, they basically uh, ask people, hey, you want to test our, drive our car in driverless mode? Pay us $10,000 and uh, we will let you sign up to be a test driver. And then they got the DMV to give them an exemption so that they don't have to report the results of these tests. The reason that this is in the news is that YouTube and other places are filled with videos of self-driving Teslas driving straight on to, into other cars and having all kinds of other accidents, driving into uh, pedestrians and uh, semi-trucks and so forth. And so the DMV is going to make them follow the same rules as all the other car manufacturers and have official uh, real test drivers and keep track of their data and report the results and add to the normal database of safety so they be, can be compared to other What a cars. novel idea. The rules were there for a reason? Who would have thunk it? <laughs> I've never understood how you get started down the road of letting somebody have an exemption just because they're really Well, you know, what, you know what I'm actually thinking of is I, Sharon and I just started watching Dope Sick on Hulu, which is all about the opioid crisis. And one of the key decisions was when the FDA created a special label for OxyContin because the manufacturer wanted one. Shocking that didn't work out quite as well as, as you would have thought. Like it, it, and, and I'm, look, I, I am pro EV as a technology moving forward. I am, uh, I, I definitely believe in, in, in the mission of those organizations. I'm a little less uh, high, particularly on Tesla, mostly when I look at it from a valuation or, a, or the way they run the business perspective. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that's the way of the future. Uh, and I do recognize that in a way that, that, you know, that Tesla needed to be created to disrupt the market because incumbents were not willing to make the moves. I'll acknowledge all of those things. That said, as I quip all the time, society puts guardrails on for a reason. <laughs> and I would rather see disruption happen with commercial companies against one another rather than this forced element of like, well, we'll just create a new rule to test it all up. I'm not as certain about that. And for me, that's the that's a theme I'd look at that and say, look, I want full body contact capitalism, but I want the guardrails for a reason. If you're re-examining laws to create exceptions, maybe that's the problem. 
You know, this is a topic that draws together a couple of threads that we've been kind of hitting on in the last couple of months. You know, we, we hear a lot in the news about how government regulations that 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 are designed for 40 years ago technology don't necessarily apply to today's capabilities and that the government doesn't necessarily understand modern technology and therefore is poorly equipped to regulate the things that come out. As a, as a very pragmatic thing, I admit that governments are not on the cutting edge of innovation and therefore they will always be regulating things reactively except in one fundamental case safety mm -hmm. right now I, I believe that industry has had its way over the last century or so in saying you know what there's an acceptable level of loss as long as I make a big enough profit on this uh, item and that's true not just with Tesla but any car company that's ever existed right there is and there is an inherent calculation of well you know we just call it collateral damage and if X number of people if fewer than X number of people die because of this then we don't have to have oh I don't know things like seat belts and safety brakes and, and things like that until there was enough outcry and we exceeded X by a significant amount then the government finally got involved See, Carl, when you mentioned the, uh, uh, the the videos of these things not performing effectively, there's a there's a bit of you know car crash mentality to to be overly literal about it, where there's too many people right now who are saying, "See, I saw that one video that one time and it didn't work, therefore it won't work, therefore we should abandon the concept." of autonomous vehicles and we should admit that that's just science fiction fantasy we're never ever going to get there we will all continue to drive our cars forever see i just think that's throwing the baby out with the bath the autonomous vehicles is a fascinating technology it has unbelievable potential commercially as well as individually for improving safety performance in the automotive world and for uh, dramatically improving the speed the reliability the the predictability of delivery services both locally as well as over distance i continue to be a massive believer in the potential of that but every single time you show a video of, and, and not for nothing, it's more often Tesla than the others that are experimenting in the autonomous space. Those Teslas just going, oh, wait a minute, I wasn't supposed to run over the dummy of the, the, the fictional child in the middle <laughs> of the road. I was supposed to stop. Whatever. We're just going to, you know, move fast and break things to borrow a Mark Zuckerbergism. Um, you know, they, they don't seem to care about safety. Well, and... You know, I thought when you said two themes that we've discussed in the past, I thought you were going to talk about, A, uh, the government turning over safety regulations and safety tests to the manufacturers. Think about Boeing and the, the, the 737 MAX, you know. That is a huge example of what we should never let the government do. You cannot turn over those kinds of tests and say to the manufacturer, just, you know, be as good as you can. Let us know what the results are. The second theme is people like or companies like Uber that go in and intentionally break all the laws and pay all the fines as a part of their marketing budget and literally just go in and violate the law so that they can have uh, advancements in their own technology. Um, and, you know, Boeing did well, got away with it. They paid the fine, don't care. It's 1% of 
of their increase in profit for the next year. Uber got away with it, um, went public, you know. So it's unfortunately becoming a legit business strategy to follow these kinds of processes. And it's long-term not good. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and again, I, where I think the, if we're trying to link this back to smaller organizations, which is often our, our, you know, our listenership, look, fundamentals are fundamentals for a reason. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, we talk about some of these stories and some of the trends. There is nothing wrong with sticking with the core fundamentals of the way that you execute around and, and iterate and test without going to these extremes. A lot of time this is happening based on growth scale requirements or based on, you know, investor requirements. If you're a small private company, you don't have to behave this way because your expectations are not the same. And that I, in my mind, is a healthy thing. It's one of the reasons why I remain in SMB because I like that the rules make some logical sense. <laughs> and my sense, that's why I stick with it because, because you can stick with common sense as a general driver of strategy. And, and if you have not had a chance to see some of these videos, literally, uh, we were discussing pre-show here, but you know, in preparation for future things, uh, what happened this year at CES, do a Google on uh, CES Tesla autonomous vehicle testing. And there are some just, I mean, it, to, to, to build on your theme of, of common sense, Dave, um, there are some just blatantly humorous slash tragic videos of a Tesla car that just didn't from a safety perspective, and right out here in the parking lot of the Las Vegas Convention Center, the entire amassed brain power of the industry of innovation is assembled to observe you fundamentally failing the one thing you absolutely have to get correct. And, and historically, their answer was, whatever. Did you see how cool it is in the 17-inch right. touchscreen inside? At this point, <laughs> the answer is, nope, that's no longer acceptable. Yeah, that touchscreen also burned up with the car. <laughs> I just want to know why it plays video games. Why can't I play Sonic the Hedgehog while I'm driving? That seems like a really bad plan. <laughs> exactly. And sadly, on that note, we are finished with this most excellent edition of uh, episode 147 of the Killing It <laughs> podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.